three, two, one. All right, ladies and gentlemen,、uh, this is Tom here. Welcome back. My name is、um, well, Tennis of Melbourne Convo, City of Love, and today I have Conrad. Now, Conrad, you want to say hello to our fifty million listeners? <laughs> of course, I do, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Melbourne is the greatest city in the world. Thank you very、I'm、much, Melbourne boy. Are you Melbourne boy?、I'm、Melbourne boy, through and through. Yep,、mm-hmm. I.、Um, Spent all my favourite、uh, youth years in Melbourne, obviously, and、uh, headed abroad,、uh, going back to what 1997 for a few years.、Mm-hmm. I went over to Europe. I was playing and coaching over there, and、mm-hmm. back to Melbourne,、uh, where I set up、uh, tennis academies、uh, there in Melbourne, and ended up、uh, taking off. You know, from there, I went to Japan for a few years. Wow! I was in China for 15 years. Jeez! And now I'm in New York for three years. Yeah. Okay. Now,、um, which can you give、uh, the Melbourne? Which suburb are you? Like a what northern suburb, eastern suburb, or what? Can you remember? I'm a southeastern boy. I'm a born and bred Wheelers Hill boy. Wheelers Hill. <laughs>、um, Glen Waverley, Wheelers Hill. Waverley District.、Area. Waverley District. Wow. To- Went to school at St Kevin's College in,、uh, in Skeps. So I'm an old Skeppy, mate. I'm a Scobber. Oh, okay. And through. And、uh, back then, just out of curiosity, back then,、uh, no, no, I'm not trying to divide the whole school thing. And but、uh, back then, how was your relationship,、uh, the Skeps relationship with Scotch College? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not get in there. But I will tell you that in my time,、uh, I was captain of the team back in '93. Uh-huh. Uh, we won five premierships, and、uh, the first one it was against Scotch,、uh-huh. and it was the biggest celebration of all. So、oh. we love Scotchies, we love them. Okay, all right. Now,、um, I myself is a big drinker. Did you miss Melbourne, aka Real Coffee,、uh, when you are now in news?、Uh, in, in, you know, you now in the states, or when you were、um, in China? Absolutely. So, you know, I'm a coffee boy inside out. It's it's not a day、uh, without a cappuccino or a soy latte in the morning.、Uh-huh. And I can tell you that it's very hard to get the caliber of coffee that we have everywhere、uh-huh. uh, in most places in the world. I mean, the only place I've had coffee on par with Melbourne has to be, I think, in Italy. And、uh, yeah, it's、uh-huh. Melbourne coffee is out of this world. Okay. And how often do you come to Melbourne? Or when was the last time you came to Melbourne? Yeah, so traditionally I come back every Australian Open.、Um, I'm either with players who are competing, or, or I'm、mm-hmm. back with、um, you know a team that we bring for an experience.、Um, unfortunately, I haven't been back since、uh, Aussie Open 2017 for、mm-hmm. different reasons.、Uh, this year, the Australian Open,、um, I was unable to come. Unfortunately, I was planning to come back in August, but. You know the whole Corona thing, so、mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would say on average every once a year. I've had a few years that were two times a year.、Um, you know, I have a very fond affi- affiliation and, and affinity with home、mm-hmm. and with many coaches back home. So yeah,、mm-hmm. okay. Now one last question about Melbourne. Now,、uh, out of、uh, apart from tennis and coffee,、uh, what's another thing you missed about Melbourne? Oh, mate! Just the lifestyle, the sports mad <laughs> culture, right? So, for us, sport is a religion. Yes, and、uh, it's something, something that most other places in the world that you know I've been fortunate to work at, live at, and coach in. You know, Tokyo, Shanghai, New York.、Um, you know, other places. I've lived London and Europe. No one has the same madness that we have in Melbourne. So,、mm-hmm. uh, you got grand final week this week. One of my One of my、uh, best mates from school is Chris Scott, who's the head coach there at Geelong. So good luck to the Catters. 
Oh, okay. Well, actually, but who do you go for in footy? Well, I'm a Brisbane Lion. No, I'm actually originally a Fitzroy Lion. I'm a Fitzroy Lion. I'm one 95 of Fitzroy. I'm one of the original Fitzroy boys. So No, but uh, we call it Fitzroy Bears. Like, we call it Fitzroy Bears back in the days, I think. That's true. Yeah. And it was a merger. Who, uh, you know, it was more of a takeover than a merger. But I was very lucky, again, two of my uh, my very good mates from school mm-hmm. were Chris and Brad Scott. That uh, They both went to Brisbane at the same time. So... The year that we merged, they went to Brisbane. It meant that I had to keep following the Fitzroy and, you know, I had to change states. But right now, honestly, I'm a big fan of the Cats. I follow very closely uh, uh-huh. Chris Scott and what he's doing. And, you know, he's arguably one of the greatest coaches now uh-huh. that have ever been in the game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been fun to watch. Okay. Finally, on footy, uh, prediction. Uh, what is that? Oh, it's only a few days. So this weekend, who's going who's gonna to win and by how many? Well, I got to say the cats, and I, I think a bag full. I think he, probably six, six goals. It was like thirty to thirty-six points. All right, cool. All right, I'll make sure I have this released beforehand. And once you get it right, everyone's gonna, you know, you're the predictor. You're the <laughs> okay. No, so, man, I miss my footy. Don't worry about that. It's a, it's just such a great sport. Hard uh, to explain to anyone that doesn't really know it. Do you, I don't? So why are you there in, in the states? Do you still? have to learn, you know, things like the, the gridiron or the NFL, things like Are you trying to adapt to the culture or you just stick to, to tennis? No, completely. I mean, I, I believe that as a coach and as a as a human being, one of the strongest skills in life are adaptability and being flexible. So I made it a mission that uh, in my time here in, in, New, in the U.S., in New York, just, uh, you know, to get to every possible sport I can. We've taken up everything from I'm a Yankees fan. We get to the Yankees a lot. Um you know, the, the, the gridiron, which is the football is just crazy here. Mm-hmm. We've been to ice hockey. Um, you know, I'm trying to get to absolutely every sport we can because at the end of the day, I mean, the sport, American sports culture and sports market is very regional. So, for example, here in the Northeast, um, you know, lacrosse is a big sport. Ice hockey is a big sport. Um, you know, basketball is a huge sport. Those indoor sports because it gets very cold up in this part. Oh, so it's, yeah, it's very, yeah, very, very so it's weather, it's weather orientated. Largely. I mean, obviously tennis right now, um, the Northeast, New York City uh, area, New Jersey area, it's all indoor season now. So um, it, the other sports are similar. The sports that are really big are played indoor. They're, of course, you know, football and, and again, you know, uh, soccer, those sports are also quite sizable. Mm-hmm. But it's really the, the cold weather that drives a lot of the, uh, sports madness here, which is which is mad. It's it's great to go to a game. So you would train or your coach during snow or st- or just cold weather? Yeah, but we're indoors. We're indoors. Oh. So we got we got you know indoor facilities. We got bubble facilities. Um, but when I lived in in Japan, uh, we would clean the courts with snow and coach. <sighs> yeah. Now you can't slide on snow, can you? Uh, I'm not sure our insurance policy would like uh, any sort of snow tennis, but um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, that's something people often forget about the northern hemisphere. Um, you know, and, and people coming from very cold places really restricts their opportunities mm. to become you know the great tennis players in, in a lot of places. Okay, now let's uh, see if we can slowly merge to to the main uh, core of uh, of this convo. Now, um, the first thing I really touched on is. So you got years and years of experience in China, 
and in in Japan and states and uh, did you coach in Melbourne as well in Australia? Oh, of course I did. Yes. Okay. So, um, you know, yeah, a lot, a lot of years in Australia in my early years. Um, I worked uh, with VIS. Uh, did some work with some of the state institutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the head coach um, with Tennis Victoria at Albert Reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, I set up an academy with a couple of mates down there, Vita Tennis in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, uh, wow. it was a lot of lot of coaching. Yeah. Okay, so the first thing I want to touch is that obviously coaching, you have to deal with and work with and understand with parents because that's a huge element. All right, because you, before you work with a player, parents are the one who pay the bills, and parents are the ones sometimes give you or work with your work against you. Um, what would be one tip for tennis parents over these years? Well, look, Tom, that's, um, you know, if, if you don't have people skills and you can't include parents in the journey, you're done from the start. So um, include the parents, you know, be holistic, mm-hmm. think bigger than uh, just the player, and often the decision-making of the player is influenced by the parents. So invest that time to know the parents, invest the time to understand their family culture, Mm-hmm. Um, you really need to to have them in the team. And what I say a lot is there's a common philosophy around the world that developing a player is like a pyramid. On mm-hmm. the top of the pyramid, you have the player. On one corner, you have the coach in the academy. And on the other corner, you have um, the parents. I, I agree to some extent, but the pyramid that we use has the player in the center of the pyramid. On the top is the parents. On the bottom left corner is the academy and the coach. And on the bottom right corner, we call that the strategies, the strategies mm-hmm. that we're going to use to extract from the player. Now, we can't implement strategies without the parents buying in, mm-hmm. without the parents being in the team, and without the parents being part of the journey. If we if we try that, it's simply not going to work. And I've seen that over and over in my 28 years coaching. At what point parents should step a few steps back, and at what point parents should step a few steps forward? That's a great question. The only way I can answer that is that it's individual case by case. Um, it's the type of parent. There are many, 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 many types of parent. You have, you know, your positives, your negatives, your doubters. You have your ones that have no idea about tennis and ones that know a lot about tennis. So they've played before. So, again, it comes down to relationships. Spend time with the parents. Understand who they are. Understand how much they know mm-hmm. and how much can they assist to help the player buy in and get the changes. So for me, the, the most important thing with that first question is you're going to have parents always involved in, let's call it, the first six months. You know, it could be the first two months, but the first phase, mm-hmm. parents are always going to be there. And so at that time is your opportunity to build the relationship, to show them your quality beyond the tennis court as well. Um, and I feel like if you do that well and you embrace that part of the journey well, the parents tend to give a lot of rope and say, I trust this situation. Go ahead, coach. Uh, when that happens, you know you're on a good thing. If, if the parent is there and front and center and you feel like you're dealing with the parent as much, if not more, than the player, you know that you're in a, you're in a situation where the trust has not yet been developed. So I'd be focusing on that trust um, you know, very much if I was that coach. So if you're, okay, so let's look at the reality a little bit closer. Let's say, for example, your kid or children says, hey, dad, I want to be the world number one in tennis. Um, um, but I've got one condition is I don't want you to be my coach. Is that okay for you? 
That's absolutely fine. And actually, I'm living that. I have a daughter right now who's, uh, she's only six. She's extremely good for her age. Um, I have my son who's eight and a half. He's extremely good for his age. And as far as they're concerned, I don't know anything about tennis. Uh, they don't want to hear a word from me. So I've been able to put them into the hands uh, of coaches that are in my team, that are lead coaches, and let them do their thing. They don't need me at this stage. Um, at some stage, they may. And, and hopefully then, and I would think it's when they're at a more sort of cognitive level and mature level and they're understanding the journey a little more, um, then I'll step in. Um, until then, I have no problem to have... Um, you know, who, the right people around them. The key right now is they fall in love with the sport, which they are, that they're very passionate about it, and they really, they respect the rules. And that's the biggest thing I push is, you know, respect the coach, respect the rules, respect the sport, and have a great time. And because that's the rules, they're free to play. And so they're enjoying it a lot. And, you know, that's, that's kind of worked for me and my wife. Uh, my wife's from Mexico. She also has a very strong background in tennis. Um, and wow. so we both kind of lay off it a little bit. Wow. Okay. So in other words, you can just focus on being parents, being being a parent. That's right. Oh, wow. Our job, our job, Tom, is to open the pathway, provide mm-hmm. the opportunities, and allow them to walk the path. That's really where it's at right now. I mean, at, you know, I'm sure when they're again when they're twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, things will change. And one of the, the I guess, one of the the fortunate parts for myself is that I, I have an extensive network around the world of quality people that I'll be able to put my kids in their hands at different times. So I plan to use my, you know, glo- global network of friends and tennis leaders mm-hmm. to give my kids the experience that they are hoping for if that's what they want to do. Okay, you mentioned earlier um, that in America there's a lot of sports orienteering, hockey, and all that. Are you okay with your kids just trying out various of sports before the age of, say, 13, 14, and then when they want to come back or focus on tennis a little bit more, are you okay with that? Oh, without a doubt. Look, I've, I'm a huge uh, fan of, of being having kids play everything. And, you know, I think uh, when the time comes, they themselves sort of hone in and, and realize they want to be better at this or better at that. Uh, again, it comes down to opportunities, and, and I'm very fortunate in that I have through Center Court Tennis Academy where I'm at, um, world-class, you know, facilities, world-class coaches in a range of sports. So my kids are doing many things from obviously tennis is their main sport, which they're doing three, four, five days a week. But they also do ninja warrior training. They're doing, you know, fun camp. They're doing baseball. They're doing soccer. Because as you know, all of the characteristics and attributes that those sports offer um, will carry players in longer in the sport. So, you know, one of the things about tennis that uh, I think around the world for a long period of time was forgotten is team, the team feeling. And so here in America, there, there's a lot of that, whether it be um, team tennis through clubs, whether it be high school tennis, mm-hmm. whether it be college tennis, it's always team tennis. And I'm seeing already my kids have that exposure, and they absolutely love it. They love being part of a team. You mentioned team like eight times in the last minute. So that means you're really looking forward to see some leadership uh, skills built for your kids. Categorically. You know, um, in fact, I've <clears> got to do a uh, presentation in a, in a couple of weeks on leadership. And, and the, the question there is, how do you develop leadership? And my response is, 
leadership is developed through constant challenges and through constant opportunities to show leadership. You can't, you can't develop a leader without providing an opportunity. And so that's what we do in our house, um, you know, in the way we raise our kids. Uh, we give them a lot of opportunities to be leaders. By the way, I also have full-time athletes um, that stay, you know, with me often. They come through, whether they're home-based professional players, um, they're, they're in a training phase, they'll come and train with me for three weeks a month. So my kids get to see a lot of that too, and that's the second part, I believe, is role models, uh, having examples in front of them. And, and, you know, if that happens, I believe leadership skills take place. But, you know, again, I go back to my early days in Melbourne playing football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was all part of the team, like taking responsibility for your teammates, being accountable. All of those things are very important skills that you do get from other sports. And I do feel like team sports help to create that in, in individuals. And you look at there's so many examples of great tennis players that were great team sportsmen early on. Mm-hmm. And even examples the other way. Kids who played t- uh, tennis to a very high level and then converted into very good team sportsmen. So, you know, the, the combination of all, I believe, is essential. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up with that methodology in Melbourne. You know, we all played footy in winter. We played tennis all year round. And we'd even play cricket sometimes in summer. We also had athletic season. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan of multi-sports, uh, and of, and of leadership being developed through those opportunities. Wow. Wow. That's, that, that's good because a lot of times I, I, I noticed that when, when an athlete who able to this, you know, to, to have the leadership skills, it's not just around the sport itself and also the life outside that particular sport. Let's say, for example, in the classroom, even a career, entrepreneurship and things like that. So, so you're setting the way not just for, for, for your kids in this case, not just for, the, for, for their tennis, but also maybe life after tennis, whether it's coaching or entrepreneurship, starting a business or even continuing your center court academy. That's right. I mean, uh, prior to Santa Corda, as I said, I was 15 years in China. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my academy in China, the China Elite Training Academy, uh, we were the first ever wholly owned foreign uh, enterprise in mainland China. We were the first sports academy mm-hmm. with purely international coaches. Uh, and I was very fortunate. I was in the time of, you know, Li Na, Zhang Jie, Peng Shui, Sun Tian, Ling Ping. Uh, Yan Zhe, Zhang Shui, all those guys were kids mm-hmm. when I was there. So they all came through my academy at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to see that. Um, but then, you know, running my own business for that long in China, um, you know, no one can prepare you for that. It was just something that we went through. We lived every experience. And mm-hmm. myself and, again, my wife, who was our managing director, mm-hmm. uh, we had a soccer academy. We had a, an international sports camps business. And all of that was just, you know, done through experience. And so often when I'm hiring people, they ask me, you know, would you like my CV? And of course I'd like their CV. But my question is, what are you going to do in future? I don't really want to know what you did in the past other than that it qualifies you to be here. But I want to know what are you going to do in the future? And so entrepreneurship, which you mentioned, uh, is a skill that I want in everyone um, that I work with, whether they be my team whether they be in my academy in China or they be here in my team in, in, you know, in the U.S. or whether it be my kids. I want them to be entrepreneurs. I want them to okay. take risks. I want them to gamble. Uh-huh. I want them to fail. Mm-hmm. And I want them to succeed. 
Well, that brings me a very curious uh, part because I myself, you know, um, as an entrepreneur, you know, just getting myself out of comfort zone constantly. If someone knocks on the door and says, hey, Conrad, I want to be one of your coaching in your center court academy, what are some of the things, without looking at the paperwork, what are some of the things you look at in the first five minutes? Fantastic question. Uh, this happened probably last Thursday. I had a young coach uh, who sent an email in and it went to uh, our sales department, I think, who forwarded me the email. I reached out to the young man and I said, first, first question, what time can you be here? And he said, what do you mean? Tomorrow, next week? I said, no, today. I wanted to know how, how can he do? He said, well, I'll be there in four hours. He was there. Then I said to him, bring your racket and bring your shoes. Because I'm going to let your racket do the talking. We went out. I just let him feed, hit, talk, give some feedback. And he basically did a, he did a, a performance for me to see if this is someone that I want to hire. Mm-hmm. Then I go further and I dig into his knowledge base. I dig into the background, their experience, qualifications. All the boxes matched up. But at the end of the day, if you ask me what is the most important part of that, it was the live test with him being able to, you know, do... Work, walk the walk, as it were. Um, to, or today in tennis, we got so many, you know, young guys coming into the industry with no experience, um, no qualifications, particularly in the U.S. This is a real problem here in the U.S. It's not mandatory for coaches to be qualified versus in Australia, you must have a qualification. You must be with a group. And so you get a lot of coaches that just simply played at a D3 tennis school or a D2 tennis school. They, they, they graduated with their degree. They can't get a job, so they coach. So that's not a good thing for the industry. We've got to be constantly raising the bar, and that's one of my mandates. You must be qualified, you must be current, and you must be a member of a globally known rec, uh, association, whether that be, uh, let's call it a Tennis Australia or ATPCA in Australia or a PTR, USPTA. You must be one of those, and you must stay constant. You must stay updated. I'm an absolutely massive, massive fan of coach education. Mm-hmm. Um, so, All right. Yeah. So speaking of update, now 2020, apart from AO, uh, there's only two. Or you know, shout out to Wimbledon. I really miss Wimbledon 2020. However, you know, maybe 2021. Two Grand Slam hit. Um, uh, oh, happened in in 2020, which is uh, the Roland Garros and U.S. Open. Um, Sure. If if you're the coach and if you go, all right, players, you know, sitting down, let's let's watch. If if it's if U.S. Open and, and Roland Garros, it's because it's such a short frame. If they are a five minute movie, all right. If they are just these four weeks are in five minute movie, what do you think these junior players can learn from? Great question. And and again, I repeat over and over, multiple times within a week. If a kid is not watching tennis there is no way they can be the best tennis player that they could possibly be. Mm-hmm. It is a live private lesson. It is a mental lesson in front of their eyes. And so for me, you know, Dominic Tiem winning after having two goes was just phenomenal. I mean, he showed how human he was um, to come back and win that. The nerves that he was displaying and to get over those, for me, was just an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal effort. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a real story for me out of the U.S. Open. Uh, Andy Murray getting back to Grand Slam level, winning a round. I thought that was just out of this world. And, um, you know, again, that highlights to me the importance of that word passion. Um, if you're looking at um, the on the girls' side, it's just so interesting to watch Cannon 
how she's going about it. Not not the prettiest player, um, but really, really, again, passion, intensity. It comes out, it oozes out of her. Um, you know, that were, the, for me, the real hits out of the US Open. It was great to see the players get out there. It was great to see the players uh, be able to, to compete. They were all desperate to compete. I thought the tournaments did a great job with keeping them safe. Um, there was always bound to be some stories out of that. Um, but then, obviously, the French Open, I think I posted in one of my, my posts, was there is arguably never going to ever be a greater sporting feat than Nadal winning the French 13 times. That is completely out of this realm, out of this universe. That It's just crazy. So... That was great. I thought, um, you know, seeing Schwartzman do great was awesome. Uh, good for tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Iga, you know, Iga Swiatek. What a great effort for tennis. Young girl breaking through. Again, intensity, passion. They're all displaying common traits. So, yeah, that was what came out of the slams for me this year. I think next year is going to be a really, really awesome year of tennis. Would you say women's tennis are in very, very good hands in the next at least 10 years? I think so. I mean, look how many winners are coming through. Look at this young generation. Um, you got so many talented players now. Long gone are the days of the top three or top five. It was more like top five in women's tennis. Long gone. Now you can get a girl from top 30. Look at um, Iga. She was, I think, 54 in the world and won the tournament. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a great thing for tennis. That's great for spectators. Um, I'm, I'm, I feel like tennis is definitely on a boom. Mm-hmm. I feel like Corona... Uh, for all the negatives, the positives have been that it gives tennis a rebirth. Um, here we're seeing a lot of kids come to the sport because it's so safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's been exciting times. And I'm certainly very happy that the slams were on because it helped all of us to kind of keep the fuel going in the sport. And on the men's side, uh, the next gen, we got like Rublev. Come on, you get, you get the Lubret. Is he, is he, I mean, he's already top 10. Is he a, a future top three, in your opinion? Oh, yeah. I mean, look at Russian tennis. You know, <laughs> you got Karen Karchek, you got Rublev, obviously Medvedev. Um, these guys are phenomenal. I mean, mm. and they've all grown up together, which, again, uh, kind of raises that whole philosophy of the pot cooking the dish. Um, it's good to have a lot of players in one age group that can all beat each other up and they end up on the same stage. But, uh, mate, tennis is looking great. I'll tell you now, whether it be uh, the, the young Russians or whether it be in, even here in America, there's so many young guys mm. coming out. And now the college systems become even more important. Mm. Uh, and that's a good thing. It's extending the career of players. Uh, but I agree. Tennis is in a very, very healthy situation right now. Mm. Dominic TM is still only, what, 25? Um so, yeah, I'm excited with what's coming. Now, we mentioned about the, uh, the early generation. Now, we have to mention Italians, okay? The, there's a couple of Italians coming through. Now, yeah. the big ones I wanted to talk about is they are professional now. Now, juniors, technically speaking, is 18 and under. But so many of them are playing like a pro, you know, as young as, you know, 15, 16 now. So, what would be some of the technical progress that you wanted to give your values to to our to junior listeners out there or their parents is that what are some of the technical mindset and, and progression and training, if you will, uh, for them to go from junior tennis to pro? Great question. And again, you're talking about transition. Mm-hmm. Um, the transition years are the hardest, and 
You just need to look at the, the statistics on top 10 junior rankings that convert to top 100. Um, it's very, very low percentage that actually make it into the top 100. Um, and the reality is always, I believe, in the men's side, lack of weapons. So you've really got to develop those big weapons in the men's side. Um, you know, I remember seeing Kyrgios when he was number one junior in the world. Massive serve, massive forehand. Um, you know, Karen Karchek, same thing. Catching off the huge forehand. So I believe in boys tennis, you've got to have that weapon. Um, we, get, we say one weapon, no weakness. Today it's more like two weapons, no weakness. Um, you absolutely have to be able to play the transition game. Uh, guys that can finish at the net, we know the return on that, uh, that tactic is high. So that's what I'd be pushing if I was working with young boys looking to transition from junior to pro. And we have plenty of those at Santa Court here, guys who are in the top 100, um, juniors. We have a girl, one girl in the top 100, one boy in the top 100. Mm-hmm. And believe me, they're constantly working on weapons. So in the girls game, uh, I really think the key attribute right now is, uh, the return of serve has always been there, but it's the serve in the girls game also. Um, big first serve, big second serve. Um, but also the, the core position is the big thing. So, um, you know, hugging the baseline, playing with time pressure, all of those things right now, what we're looking for in juniors. Okay. Uh, quick tips, okay? This is just a fast, quick tip. Uh, one of my favorite is backhand slice. What's your one quick tip? Uh, high elbow in the backswing. Okay. One quick tip for second serve. Accelerate the racket. One quick tip, playing doubles. Oh, great coverage. <laughs> Front or back? Or both? <laughs> What's that? Front of uh, the net or the back? No, no, aggressive mover at the net. You know, okay. The guy at the net determines the outcome every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is an interesting one because I found from Iga is forehand topspin. How to develop? How do, what's your, yeah, one tip. Well, again, acceleration is the key tip, but it has to be pathway. Mm-hmm. Understand the swing path. Mm-hmm. In general, in serving, which is more important, a little bit more? Upper body or lower body? Good question. I'm a big, my philosophy is all about base up, so I'm going to say legs. Uh-huh. In particular, right leg if they're a right hander, left leg if they're a left hander, and back hip over the front hip. So you're getting full extension from the back hip. <laughs> I'm taking notes, people. I'm taking notes. Wow. Okay. Now, um, lastly, is uh, we've covered all the, all the questions. Now, there is one thing I sort of wrote just before the combo. In your opinion, do you think the term prodigy and talent is used incorrectly these days? Great questions. Really good question. For me, talent has, I have my own definition of talent, which is simply the speed at which someone learns and changes. That's my definition. Um, the word talent is way overused because um, having a certain skill set does not always mean talent. There are talented players with intangible skill sets. So that's important to remember. Prodigy, I've never really used that word, prodigy. Uh, for me, a prodigy is someone that can potentially go ahead and do something exceptional. You know, what about the kid who's not the prodigy that steps up and does something exceptional? So, yeah, I do think they're words that are way overused. I think that um, the word talent people need to be very mindful of. Uh, it's one of those hope words. 
when you use that word talent to parents, there is prick up. My kid's talented. But, um, you know, it's all about definition of talent. Now, um, I just sort of inspired me, just a little click when you say parents again, because earlier in the combo we talk about parents. Now, what do you say to parents who trying to sell and oversell their kids? Oh, my kid is top two in the state, top this and that. Do you think in some way they're trying to bring either A, bring down the price, or two, bring down the coach, or C, bring down both? <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, question, I'll tell you now, it's, uh, I can't tell you how many times in a week I speak to a parent that says, uh, my son is a UTR 2.5, but he's really a, plays like a 6. So, um, yeah, I mean, parents have biased eyes. They're going to always tell you um, their opinion is going to be based on hope and on want as opposed to reality. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's something we hear it all the time in tennis. Uh, the UTR is a huge thing, and it's something we use um, very, very exclusively in cutting our programs. Uh, players are cut by UTR, so it makes it black and white, um, and that's worked really well. Yes, you do get that kid that comes along. You know, he's, he's super gifted. He's, he's just a magician. But in my 28 years doing this, I could name three of them. So <laughs> you know, more often than not, you're better, better to stick with what's obvious and you know, parents, they love their kids. They're always going to aim for what's best for their kids. Uh, if we want to survive in the industry, we need to learn to respect that. Um, but we also cannot sell, you know, a fake dream. You got to, you yeah. got to, it's a balance. You got to keep the mist on the mountain, mm -hmm. but you've also got to open the sky, right? So it's a challenge and it, it requires a skill set. Um, from coaches that, that some people may have, some people may not have. Mm. We now, don't need used car salesmen in the industry anymore. Mm. Now, on the coach's side, in your experience and opinion, what is one difference between a good coach and a great coach? Communication. Knowing what to say, when to say, how to say it, what not to say, that's the key. And... Um, you know, you get a lot of coaches that are either over-communicators or you get coaches that are communicating just the wrong way. Um, the other thing I would stress is communication through body language is just huge. I mean, 80% of the message that absorbed is coming out of body language, coming out of how you look, how you stand, the gestures that you use. Um, you know, and I, I've, I've learned that the hard way. I worked in Japan without speaking the language. Um, after two years, I was able to coach and travel with players and coach them exclusively in Japanese. Um, did the same thing in Chinese. I've done the same thing in Spanish. And so I, I've learned that body language, um, finding ways to communicate, whether it be using a whiteboard, whether it be using a video, using notes. Um, I've done everything in the book from send notes to my player the night before so they can translate them and understand when we get on court what we're working on. So all of those things work, and I think coaches that are serious will understand that the most important skill is your communication. Obviously, your knowledge has to be there, but yeah. Now, uh, just to finishing off the last light side of, of you, you, you've been to China for 15 years, right? I can speak Mandarin fully. Now, what's a chance for you to show our listeners or let our listeners know that if you can say, my name's Conrad, I lived in, Mel I lived in uh, America for three years in Chinese. 
你好，我是新康瑞，我是澳大利亚人，我在 Melbourne， 我现在我的家美国。Uh, really? So how's that, mate? How's that? How do how, how do you work in this? Like obviously communication, but you doing that for fifteen years. You have to, you have to survive. It's like the only way to survive is to evolve, right? So that's that's key for me. But yeah, I love China. I love Chinese.、Mm-hmm. I love the food. I love the place. I love the people.、Mm-hmm. Uh, China has a very special spot in its heart for me. Okay, well, Conrad, it's been awesome, and、uh, I don't say this very often, but I would love to have、um, you on the on the for a convo somewhere somewhere down the track, and、uh, we can talk about other things and just trying to bring more values to to the tennis community across the world.、Uh, or for the Melbourne listeners, thank you for listening on Castbox and Spotify.、Uh, until then,、uh, can I get a bro fist from you, Conrad? You've been awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Conrad. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.